Welcome to episode 332 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker, author of What, When, Wine, and creator of the supplement line Avalon X. And I'm here with my co-host, Vanessa Spina, sports nutrition specialist, author of Keto Essentials, and creator of the Tone Breath Ketone Analyzer and Tone Lux Red Light Therapy Panels. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and ketogenicgirl.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment. To be featured on the show, email us your questions to questions at ifpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. So pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine if it's that time and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, AKA it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration and electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean, without unnecessary fillers, and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right. You can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash podcast to get your free electrolytes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 332 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I am here with a super special guest. We have a super special episode today for you guys. I'm just so excited. Okay, so the backstory on today's conversation, probably, I don't even know now, a few years ago, I'm trying to remember the origin story of this. There's this fabulous human being named Barry Conrad, who is here right now. And we were following each other on Instagram. Barry was actually a listener of the show, correct? That's how you found me through this show? Yep. Okay. Yes. So we have a listener here. And so I feel like we interacted a little bit on Instagram and then 
I think we started actually talking because I was so perplexed because this man looks very young. I mean, and he is young, um, but... (laughs) Can we not? (laughs) Basically, I was curious about your age. And I think that's how we started like actually talking. It turns out that he is a intermittent faster as well. Well, we can talk about the actual style of intermittent fasting that you do. But this man is so inspiring. He's doing so many cool, incredible things. And I thought it would be an amazing conversation to have a motivational conversation to see you know, what it looks like to have a really high-functioning career, doing all the things, being an amazing physique and also super appreciating food and doing all the things with fasting. So I thought listeners would really enjoy this conversation. So a little bit about Barry. So, and I will ask you about your personal story, so I'm sure you'll touch on some of this, but he's done stuff with music and acting and theater. This is actually ironic. So was Fox's Power Rangers Ninja Storm your first like big thing? Yeah, it was. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Melanie. This is a very, it's crazy. It's surreal because I I started listening to your show. I just finished a show and I stumbled on, I just typed in intermittent fasting in Spotify and the show that you had with Jen when she was still on it came up and then I just started binging it. And that's how I found you. I was like, this is really interesting. And then I think maybe shouted out the show on Instagram, and then we started going back and forth. I don't know. I think that's the origin story. To answer your question, yeah, it was the first sort of big deal situation for me doing Power Rangers. But the funny thing with that was I was a huge fan of the show as a kid. So it was pretty surreal as well. I was like, I'm on set of a Power Rangers show. That was amazing. The crazy ironic thing about it is we've had one other actor on this show, and he was in Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Well, what are the odds? That is actually weird. Isn't that weird? Is that the vibe that you give up or or is that just a vibe that you give up like you attract? I guess like intermittent fasting, Power Rangers, like (laughs) it's pretty telling. It's pretty telling how powerful it can be. So Power Rangers and then you were in your first feature film, the number one box office hit The Sapphires. And then you've been on stage in Violet, which is a Broadway hit, Hairspray, Grease, Beautiful, the Carol King musical, Matilda. And then you originated the role of Kane Jones on Australia's longest running TV drama series, Neighbors. And then most recently, you have your web series, Banter with BC, which I, first of all, it's super awesome. Congrats. Are you producing it? Like, was that all your brainchild? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, well, I kind of thought <sighs> I was kind of at loss of like a new idea. I was like, you know, what else can I post? Because as you know, social media is such a huge part of what we do. And I kind of thought, what is interesting other than just here's another event, here's another set, here's another shirtless photo, here's another whatever it is. And so I thought, you know what, what do I enjoy doing? Connecting with people and food. So I just kind of thought, let me just get someone, let's have lunch and talk and film it. And it just sort of got traction from there. But it didn't start as like a business venture. It just started as something I'm passionate about. But now it's actually grown into something that is getting press and, and, you know, we're looking at expanding it. So it's really exciting. I love that. And that's actually similar to this show. Like we started it, you know, as something like fun to do. And it was a passion project and 
here we are now, if listeners should not pick up on this, you banter with people. So it's like an interview style show while having a full meal at a restaurant because we got to love food around here. We do. I have to say though, Melanie, I haven't had scallops yet. So that's something that we need to add to one of the episodes is like a shout out to you. Speaking of scallops, one thing I learned on your show and I have learned more about since then is that you used to have a shellfish allergy. Is that correct? Yeah. Good pickup by the way. And what I found fat, thank you. <laughs> what I found fascinating about this, and I would actually love to talk a little bit about this. So you liked it so much that you kept eating it, eating shellfish through allergic symptoms. And now you're no longer allergic. Is that weird? It's awesome. I'm just wondering, so like, were you severely allergic and then you just stopped being allergic? It was really a situation. For example, I was in Houston one year and I just had like a couple, like some shrimp, for example, and my face just blew up. I'd get hives, my neck would expand, my eyes would swell up. It was really bad. Like the symptoms were pretty hectic, but I was so stubborn. I was like, I'm not giving this up. There's no way. (laughs) So... So I kept on, it's like going up to a stove, knowing that it's going to be hot and keep touching it. But I just, I was not willing to give it up. So I just kept persisting and kept eating it. And now I'm very proud to say that I'm not allergic anymore. I can smash it. I'm so fascinated. So was there a transition? Like, if you remember, did you start reacting less or did you just stop reacting overnight? It wasn't overnight. I just started... Maybe the symptoms started to subside a little bit. Like my lip would get a little bit itchy. My tongue would get a little bit itchy, but then I wouldn't break out in hives anymore. It did like over time gradually decrease, but it wasn't overnight. I just ignored it suddenly. I was like, nah, I'm going to keep eating. Okay. So I actually find this, well, A, I want to like research this more, but I find this really encouraging and motivating because I think so many people have, well, I'm not saying people who are allergic to things should go eat the allergic things, but in today's culture with food, people have so many sensitivities. I mean, I know I do and allergies and there's a lot of food fear. And if there's one thing I've learned about you over like the past few years, it's that you are the antithesis of food fear. Like it's (laughs) like, you're very inspiring. (laughs) It's hilarious. Maybe I should put that in my bio, the antithesis of food fear. (laughs) No, I think it's so great because I think people, I mean, I know, Speaking from experience for me personally, I I feel like I react to certain foods and I try to be very careful in what I eat. And so it's very inspiring and liberating to see somebody like you who you are very health conscious and at the same time, you love enjoying the food and you, I don't sense any food fear. I mean, you like were severely allergic and just you know kept eating. What are your thoughts on food fear and how do you approach food? Do you have food fear? I, I, I might have just made a lot of assumptions. No. So food fear, do you mean in the way of if I eat this, I'll have a reaction? Or do you mean if I eat this, I'll gain weight so I shouldn't eat it? Which, Or both? Both. I think so many people, especially our listeners, are saturated in both. Mm. Okay. So with the first part of that question, not really. Like I'm pretty game to try any food. Being from South Africa, we were raised a lot of animal protein, but also went camping a lot. So we you know, catch fish, pick shellfish from the rocks, shellfish. Uh, but we tried different things. I've had like sheep's brains. I've had shark. I've had, I just, 
I've always been adventurous with my taste buds. Haven't had, and not sure I would try rodents. That's not really my jam, just saying. But in general, I'm pretty open to trying food. So that's that side of things. In terms of fear of what the food's going to do to me aesthetically, I definitely have had that for sure. Like I've had body dysmorphia right after high school. One of my ex-girlfriends got me into modeling and that set of like a massive chain of events in terms of like eating disorders. Like I had body dysmorphia big time and food was definitely something that I more controlled and I wasn't as liberated. Food is more something that I controlled and I wasn't as adventurous because I thought if I had this, I'd get fat or gain weight. Because an agent once told me, perfection is desire, darling. You need to lose some weight. And that that statement still resonates in my mind now. And that was so long ago, but that affected me so much. So food fear, absolutely. I really struggled with that. But in terms of the allergy side of things, not so much. I'll try pretty much anything. What about you? Well, just first of all, to comment on that really quickly. First of all, thank you so much for talking about that. Because I feel like it's very, I, women talk about it a lot, but men, it's like not a thing as much to talk about, like body dysmorphia or eating disorders. And I know it's still prevalent. So it's nice to, not nice to know, but thank you for, for talking about that. How did you, and I, I will answer your question because I know you asked me a question, but how did you deal with that? You know what? It's. I definitely wouldn't say that I have body dysmorphia anymore. I don't identify as having that anymore. When I do get tired and weary, at times a thought may come into my mind, like diet brain, if you want to call it that. But it's not. It's very much something that I don't think about anymore. I think it's just over time and a lot of healing internally, more changing the view of myself and my self worth and that my value isn't, which sounds, this is going to sound super corny, but my value isn't in what I do, but who I am, you know? And so that really helped to sort of re, that really helped to bring myself back to who I was and to not be chained by the title of body dysmorphia. Like it was the point where I would lie to people. My friends would say, Hey, do you want to hang? I'm like, Oh, I've got to, I've got to help my, my parents with something, but I'd be home working out and having chicken breast and stuff. So it was, it was pretty, pretty hectic. But now I'm like, as you know, I'll eat all the things. Fasting has just brought so much freedom to my life in that way. Big time. I think what also is hard about it is like speaking of, you know, being at home and working out and eating the chicken breast is it's a, um, an experience like the diet culture and the working out and all of that, that it gives you things you want. So like it can be effective, these restrictive diets and, being super controlling. And so you get what you want from it. And so it can be compared to like an addiction where it's really just negatives from the addiction, like a, like a drug addiction. When you're engaged in this behavior where you're over-restricting and dieting and, and the gym and all of those things, you know, like you're getting what you want from it physically, possibly. And so I think that makes it even harder for people to come out of. Absolutely. Because it's, you, you are getting a result and the more compliments you get, well, the more you see it changing, it's like, oh, well, I better keep on like more is more, you know, but actually that's not, that's actually not what you should do because then you get caught in a cycle of like, you can't jump off that treadmill, pun intended, you know? So perfect pun actually similar to you. Cause I can answer your question and it relates to all of this. I was always like chronically 
trying all the different diets and feeling really restrictive. And it, similar to you, was because of my concern about being on camera and all of that. And then when I found intermittent fasting, I was like, oh, this is amazing. (laughs) I can actually like eat as much as I want and not feel restricted, even though it might look restrictive to other people. And just, yeah, it just works so well for me personally. And then also to answer your question, I am still very, and I probably do still have food fear and I'm controlling what I eat. At the same time, I like super love what I eat. So it's like this weird combination. Like, it's not like I would want to be eating other things. I just, so I love what We've talked before about like all the things. The scallops and the cucumbers and the... Scallops and the protein and steak and elk and lamb. Is lamb, yep. That has the different taste, yep. That has a different texture, an earthy texture, yes. So how did you, how did you find intermittent fasting? What made you start it? I'm trying to find the origin because I was thinking about that leaning in today and... I had done like the body for life situation and then I did paleo for a long time, which I loved. I think it was, it was definitely about six or seven years ago now, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, I I must've Googled it or something like that. And they said, oh, you can eat whatever you want, quote unquote. But, you know, it takes sort of like the decision fatigue out of eating. And I thought, you know what, let me try this and see what happens. It was during the end of Greece when I did Greece, I think. And at that time, I hadn't been in the gym for two years because of, well, I had the situation with my lung. There's so much to get into, but I had that. So I wanted to, I couldn't work out. I was doing body weight stuff at home and just more controlling my food. And then I thought, this sucks. <laughs> I want to be able to eat more food. So trying fasting helped me to do that. And I just binged your show, to be honest. That really, that really educated me, like for real. No, seriously, that I got so much out of that and different protocols. I started with 19.5. And then I moved to 24 and I've sort of, now I average 20 hours a day, every day of fasting. Yeah. Although you eat earlier, well, compared to me. (laughs) So how does that manifest for you, the 24? Well, I like to eat later because it's more social. You can go out with your friends, you know, go out, have some wine, have some drinks, have some food, but sometimes schedules don't permit that. So I have to do it earlier, which is fine. I'm not bound by, oh, wow, can't eat because I'm fasting. If there's an occasion, I'll just eat and then I'll just jump back on again. So that's not really a thing. But for me, it's like, it's more like a restaurant type situation where I'll have a glass of wine or two while I cook my main meal. I might snack on something, have the main meal, and then I'm done. I don't typically have dessert, but I usually have the one big meal and maybe some trinkets, which I like to, they're like snacks. So like chocolate, chips, like I really, I really eat a lot. And people would be like, how are you doing that? I, I don't actually know because some people have that and they, they just can't, like their bodies will just blow up. But I, I don't know, maybe it's just the protective, you know, effects of fasting. I'm not too sure. You tell me. Tell you why it's working? Yeah, in terms of like why, I, I mean, I have ultra processed food, maybe once or twice a week. And it's, it's still, it's not too bad. And now it's coming back to me. Some of the things we talked about earlier when we first started talking, because you also were on team, like protein, like high, like you eat a lot of protein, right? High protein. I mean, I think that's a huge key, especially right now. I'm reading doc. Do you know, 
Do you follow Dr. Gabrielle Lyon? I don't, but should I? Yes, you would love her. She's all about muscle-centric medicine, and she's all about high protein. And she has a new book coming out called Forever Strong. I love her. She's she's amazing. So I've been really saturated reading her book and the power of a high-protein diet. And I've just been thinking more and more. I, th- I think if people focused on, like, on protein as like a cornerstone of their meal. I think that that would help so much for people with body composition, with satiety, with sustainability. So I think that could be playing a huge role. I mean, I think for you, you probably do have metabolically, I don't want to like diagnose you, but, but you probably, you're my, <laughs> here's what's happening <laughs> from Dr. Melanie. Nope, not at all. That's not what this is. I'm guessing though, that your body, your metabolism, you probably do well with food, especially if you're, you know, doing high protein and fasting, like it it works for you. And I think a lot of people, when they start intermittent fasting, they, it's so great because now they can possibly have things they might not would have been able to have if they were eating in a normal pattern would make them gain weight or not work for them. But by doing fasting, because of all of these cellular mechanisms that are activated, they're now able to, quote, have their cake and eat it too. No pun intended. Definitely pun intended. Pun intended. Yes. But for example, can I just say, I'm really annoyed with what you just said about the metabolism thing, because a lot of people are like, oh, bro, like, oh, if I was you and you had a good metabolism, I could eat that too. Because that makes me go, I have to work really hard. To, <laughs> like, it's not, I can't just not exercise. Like, I have to still eat eat well like you know eat well most of the time but a lot of people just assume oh you just like you're black and you have a good metabolism or whatever (laughs) you know what I mean so no I'm so glad you said that even when I said metabolism all of these like billboard signs flashed in my head about all the assumptions people make about metabolism so I'm so glad that you brought that up to clarify (laughs) I'm not I'm not I'm not calling you out I'm just calling you out is that all right No, that's totally fine. Please, all the calling out. I I agree. So I will clarify. I think, yes, that happens so much, what you just said, where people will be like, oh, it's just their metabolism or something. Wait, that's a line from something. It must be my my metabolism or something. Like a film? What is it? Yeah, it's from a movie. Ah, it's going to come to me. In any case. So I think people use that as a label all the time. And at the same time, there will be people who, who are not like what you're doing, who aren't exercising, aren't eating healthy, you know, and look good on the outside from that. And it it probably is their metabolism, but it doesn't mean that they're not healthy. Must be nice. It's still, I get really worried about what's going on, you know, beneath the surface with that situation. So I think it definitely goes both ways. I guess what I meant by the metabolism with you is that I think there could be another person in your situation eating the same thing doing the same workouts. And for them, when they have those extra processed foods or whatever, it does, for some reason, land. It does have a negative effect physically. Like, I think there might be some metabolism aspect <laughs> going on. You know, you know, you can't, you don't have to teeter around it. It's fine that you said that. I was just like, I just had to bring it up because I always roll my eyes at like my, especially like my bros. I'm like, oh, bro, it's just your metabolism. I'm like, can you not? Can you not diminish my hard work? Thank you very much. You work really hard. 
I will attest to that. I do think, though, I do think that, I mean, come on, let's be real. There has to be some sort of a genetic advantage, though, like exactly what you're saying, because someone else. Genetic advantage. That's a good phrase. Because some people could, yeah, exactly. Like they could do the same thing, eat the same thing, do the same exercise and not have the same result. So you're right in that way. Exactly. But it's not all your metabolism. You're doing the intermittent fasting. You're focusing on the protein. You're doing the exercise and you're living a vibrant life. Do you think it could be the effect of like the up day, down day thing as well? Because maybe, for example, I'll I'll tell you. So if I'm going to be on camera and I have maybe I have some notice, so maybe it's on Monday, I'll pretty much stick to very high protein and minimal carbs sort of thing. But then right after I film something like my ritual is like, I'll have like a high carb meal, like a celebratory feast. And so is that a metabolic boost caused from the up day, down day situation? Do you think it could be that? I bet that does help a lot. Yes. Hi friends. We are so honored to be sponsored in part today by NutriSense. You guys hear us talk about continuous glucose monitors, aka CGMs, all the time on this show. And in particular, we love NutriSense, and here is why. NutriSense not only provides a 24-7 moving picture of your glucose values, they also offer a unique opportunity for self-discovery. So imagine this. You have a meal, and then you notice a spike in your glucose levels. So you think, hmm, that didn't go well. But here's the magic. Tomorrow, you can make a simple change. You can swap whatever you were eating for something else. Now you have real-time data to evaluate the impact. Maybe instead of that fruit, you have some vegetables. Maybe instead of that oatmeal, you have some yogurt. Maybe instead of that steak, you have some fruit. The continuous feedback loop that you can get with a NutriSense CGM empowers you to make quick, informed iterations with your meals. Maybe the change results in a completely normal glucose level, or maybe it's still a little bit high, but significantly better. Armed with this knowledge, you can refine your choices further, rapidly steering your glucose values back to the normal range. Without a continuous glucose monitor, honestly, you're just guessing and assuming that what you're doing is working. And when you go test your blood sugar levels at the doctor, that's just a snapshot of that one moment in time. It's not telling you what actually was happening throughout the day all the time. What makes NutriSense truly transformative is its ability to create lasting habits and intrinsic motivation. So instead of relying on generic advice from professionals or online sources or us, you have personalized real-time data from your own body. When you see the direct impact of your choices, it will resonate on a whole new level. This newfound awareness becomes the driving force, making it easier than ever to stay motivated and committed to your health journey. I promise you, friends, it's like opening your eyes to the secret to lasting change because it gives you this empowering knowledge that you just didn't have before. So if you're looking to take charge of your health, gain real insights into your body and make sustainable, positive changes, NutriSense is your ultimate partner. Join them and us on this journey of discovery and unlock your full health potential. Get started today at NutriSense.com slash podcast and receive a $30 discount off of your first month, which includes two CGM sensors, free shipping and professional nutritionist support. That's nutrisense.com slash IF podcast for a $30 discount off your first month with two CGM sensors, free shipping and professional nutritionist support, which by the way, I get a lot of feedback on just how helpful that nutritionist support is. It's so easy. You can talk to them in real time in the app and they can really help you make sense of all the data that you receive from your continuous glucose monitor. NutriSense.com slash podcast. And I am just so grateful to NutriSense for helping support today's show. And we get questions about that a lot. Like, 
should you mix it up? Is it okay to do the same thing all the time? It's interesting because like for me, I pretty much eat the same way all the time and it, and it works for me. For some people, having that different, that up day, down day, or you know, however it manifests, that actually is a key to them for it working. And then for some people, I think it might just be an added benefit, but I bet that is very helpful. It makes sense to me. Especially from what we see. I feel like I'm being very casual. This is in the literature with like with this type of approach. So it's really nice when because I think people will try to consciously do that as a pattern, but it's nice when you can just make it, it's actually very inspiring, make it a part of your life and just do it sort of on a like an on-call basis for like you said. So when you're gonna be on camera, you're a certain way, and then when you're not, you can be a different way. And then it's just like natural. It's actually clockwork at this point. It's not even something that I really, I don't struggle with it. As soon as I know like it's a work thing, like my brain does this thing where it just switches and it just happens. Like I don't have to go, oh, this is really hard. It's just like, cool, I'm working. Time to pull it in. And then, and by pull it in, it means like I know for my body, that's what works in terms of getting the results I want. But for someone else, they can eat all the bread, all the trinkets, all the pasta and look great for me. If I have some bread, I'm just going to look puffy like tomorrow. And that's fine. You know, it's probably their metabolism. <laughs> oh, man. Actually. Okay. I have so many questions for you. Was intermittent fasting hard for you in the beginning or was it easy or how was it when you first started? It was hard in the very beginning because I thought, how am I supposed to go without eating for like 19 hours. Cause I dove straight in. I didn't do 16. I just went to 19 and yeah, it was tough, but I sort of, I walked a lot and I used the walks to listen to your podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> and so that would kind of like inspire me to keep going, keep going. But then I would like open my window with like, you know, not the best food because I thought I should treat myself quote unquote treat, you know, fasting. But then that sort of changed. And you, you kind of hear people say that a lot, like your taste buds change, but it's actually for real. Like what you feel like eating over time does change because you pay attention to your body, what your body wants. But yeah, it was hard. It was so hard in the beginning. What about you? Was it easy or? I was doing low carb before. So I was already pretty fat adapted. And I remember actually, I remember I was working on my friend's film set the next day and I had decided to do it. And I was like, I'm going to do this, like this one meal a day thing. And I was like, this is going to be so hard. And I remember I went to the set and normally at crafty, I would eat all the snacks and instead I just like drink all the tea. So that's real fun. Yeah. I remember thinking it's, I was like, Oh, this is like doable. Cause I was going to do it for a week. And then it was just so amazing that I just never stopped. And that was like, a decade ago. I do remember thinking though, I do remember thinking, cause sometimes I would go to sets and the craft station would have like the most epic food ever. And I was like, this is just a waste of money. Like I could be eating, like it's a waste of money for me personally, because I could be eating all of this amazing free food and instead I'm fasting. Oh, well next time. That's the only thing about that. Cause like on set, like you do, you know, you kind of have that FOMO, like, wow, I've got to make the most of this thing, you know, but yeah, I'm the same as you. Yeah. It was mostly FOMO financially though. Cause I was like, really like had no, no money. And so, and then it'd be like, <laughs> like salmon and like 
shrimp ice sculptures and like all this stuff. That that's a true story. Once it had a shrimp ice sculpture. What do you mean? Like at the craft food station, there was an ice sculpture with shrimp. I'm not making this up. And you didn't have that? No. <laughs> I was like, this is such a waste of money right now. That's hilarious and cool. Oh, but I would sometimes take food home, which you're not supposed to do, but I would. So what, you just like stuff it in your bag, like casually? Uh-huh. <laughs> what about when you, do you have a photo of this shrimp situation, by the way? Oh, yeah. oh you're, you're questioning me? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I want, no, I want to see it. I really want to. I'm so curious because it's funny and awesome. I don't. I actually do. I, if I did, it was on like a different phone, different. It was a while ago. It was on the set of, I don't even remember. It was one of those live TV shows, with, like a studio audience. Oh, yeah, yeah. Craft services. That's mm, so good. Oh, but it's also a problem though. That's a reason fasting is so amazing for it is it is just constant access to food. And so the free, you mentioned this earlier, decision fatigue, the freedom you get from just not having to engage with that question of, am I going to have the snack? Am I not going to have the snack? Like when it's just like a no, it's so freeing because you don't have to have that whole exhausting debate in your head, which is just very draining. A hundred percent agree. Nobody wins. Cause if you don't eat it, you don't get to eat it. And if you do eat it, you you might feel bad about eating it. So literally nobody wins. Do you ever, quote unquote, okay, let me say this properly. Do you ever, not cheat, but do you ever break your protocol? Just say your bestie just came into town, surprised you, and she's like, hey, let's go hang. Da-da-da. I'm taking you out to dinner. And you, in your head, you're like, mm, I was supposed to fast two more hours. Like, would you ever open your window earlier? What's your view on that? Do you struggle with that? This is such a great question. And I'm so excited because it relates to a question I was going to ask you. So everything is coming together in this moment. Um, Because you mentioned earlier something about how, I think you basically said, you know, that you will go to restaurants and you're not like super intense religious, like it has to be this way. You know, if life happens, that was the vibe I got from what you said earlier. And I actually asked for questions. I didn't say who, who I was interviewing, but I asked for questions for how to do fasting. If you're like high achiever, career driven, like socially, like how to do fasting with that. And we got a question from Joelle. She said, what are ways to gracefully decline social food events at work? Depending on the person, I don't always like to mention fasting. So I'm going to bring all of this together into a question and a conversation, <laughs> which is, when these moments come up, like Joelle said, where it's a social event at work, or like you just said, where a friend comes in town and it's a dinner, like, do you decline? If so, how do you decline? Do you not decline? Like, how do you act with that? So for me to answer your question, if it's something where it's still in the dinner vicinity, like I eat really late. (laughs) I don't even like saying how late it is. It's like, I'll eat at like 10. Oh, wow. Did you not know that? No judgment. Well, I mean, maybe I knew that, but I still had like a reaction to that because I just, but also you sleep, your sleeping situation is different too. So I sleep late too. Yeah. It's a normal pattern. It's just shifted. Like everything's just shifted. (laughs) So typically I do eat late. I thought you knew that because, well, (laughs) because Barry's in Australia. I didn't mention that yet. From Sydney, Australia. 
Sydney. Although you're not from there, I learned you move. I learned this from Banter with BC that you moved there for your breakdancing group. Yeah, I was in a singing, dancing, breakdancing crew. Yeah, and we moved here from New Zealand. Do you breakdance? I mean, I did, let me loosely say I used to, but don't ask me to do a head spin now. I mean, I could probably, <laughs> but I used to be able to. That's impressive. Yeah. What about you? Do you dance? In my, I wish I did. That's actually one of my, I have very few regrets in life. Life is amazing. <laughs> one of my few regrets that I have is that I didn't like do dancing growing up. Like, I just feel like it would be so like helpful for a, your health, B, feeling comfortable in your body. It's not too late. You can do dance classes. You can take, you know. I know. I know. Maybe. Maybe. And then when I come to Atlanta, we can go dancing and you don't have to hug the wall. Or Yes. I'll show you my skills. I'll show you my skills. I did in, in college. <laughs> you know when you, did you go to school, college? I didn't actually. No. Oh, see, that's another inspiration thing. Okay, that's a whole tangent. I did, and it's very... So when you, like, freshman year, you go, and there's, like, it's crazy. Well, I guess it depends which school you go to. Like, I went to USC, and there's all of these clubs and all of these things, and it's like, wow, for free, you know? So you, I could, like... So, like, freshman year, I was like, I'm going to sign up for everything. So I signed up for fencing. That did not last very long. Fencing? <laughs> I can't picture that for some reason. I was not about, I think I would have done it longer. I can still like, I got the muscle memory to like do it. I think when I realized you had to wear that, that mask thing, I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm, <laughs> not, it's not for me. But the other thing I did was ballroom dancing. And so I think that would be, that's something I think would be really fun. Do you ballroom dance? I mean, I can picture you ballroom dancing to a, Taylor Swift song, maybe all too well. Uh, I have convinced Barry that all too well is a treasure. Well, I've convinced you that it's talented. For the listeners out there, Melanie loves Taylor Swift, obviously, as you know, if you follow her and she convinced me to listen to the full 10 minute version. And I, I did it. I did what she said. And you know what? I liked it. It was good. I was so happy. I was so happy. Especially he said, he was like, I listened to it. And I, and you, you like took a while to like, tell me your, tell me your thoughts. You like built up. And I, I was like waiting with bated breath. I was like, what if he doesn't like it? <gasps> but yes, it's very good. All of that to say, okay, that's a whole, what are we talking about? Break dancing. You eat really late and because of your sleep pattern. So you eat really late. How do we get into that? Break dancing, Australia, Joelle. Wants to know how to gracefully decline social food events at work. I'm just going to bring it back to that. Oh, yeah. oh, you said if it's still if it's still in like the dinner part of the day. Yeah. Yes. So if it's still if it's still in the general dinner time, then I will definitely adjust accordingly. The problem is when you do eat so late and so much so late, it, it's hard to be like hungry earlier and I don't like eating when I'm not hungry, I will adjust. Basically, if it's, yes, socially, if it's a dinner, I will make the adjustments. If it's a lunch, no. Breakfast, no. I'll just go and not eat. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yes. I'll just go and not eat. And I will, I want to encourage listeners, I think there's a lot of fear and this speaks to Joelle's question about how do you decline if that's your choice. There's a lot of fear about like 
will I look weird? Will people judge me? She says she doesn't like to mention fasting, which I completely understand. It's kind of like a, well, A, you start to realize that it's, it doesn't have to be as big of a deal as you think it is, especially in large gatherings. Like so many people are just focused on themselves that they're probably paying less attention than you are to it if you're not eating. B, you can get away with a lot by just like holding a drink, like holding holding water or something. C, like you do you, like you do what makes you feel good and don't do it for other people because of what they may or may not think. It's just, just my thoughts on the matter. And you don't have to say that you're fasting. You can just say that, I mean, you could say you're fasting. You could say that, you know, for health reasons, you're making certain choices or you're just not hungry or you already ate, which is true, or you're going to eat later, which is also true. There's a lot of truth you can speak without making it a whole thing, I think. What are your thoughts? I think that's all exactly right. Like for me, I try to zoom out. If something's happening that's special, I zoom out on the week and I go, what am I doing most of the time? I'm being consistent. I usually fast very consistently, make good choices, choices right for my body. So if something comes up, it's not going to, it's not going to affect what my desired result is. So it's like, fine, you have to go with, for me, I go with moments because experiences only happen, you know, when they do. So I'm not going to like say, oh, sorry, I'm not going to eat. If I'm, if something's happening, I'll just have it. But if I'm focused on what I'm doing, I'll just say, oh, I've got plans, but thanks so much which I do, I've got plans to eat later or I've got plans to do whatever. So to what you said, it's not lying. You don't have to say, oh, sorry, I'm fasting and make it a big deal because it's only weird if you make it like a big issue. No one really cares. So I just kind of say, oh, I've got plans, but thanks so much for inviting me. Or I'll be like, cool, see you there. It's just really simple. Yeah. That's amazing. And to that point, talking about how it's not as big of a deal to the person as we might think it is, if it is, because that happens too, where it is a big deal to them, it's often coming from their own stuff. It's, it's not necessarily you. And I don't think people need to change themselves to accommodate other people's stuff. Although interestingly, like something that happened with me historically, this was before fasting, but this is when I went low carb for the first time. And my my mom, my family was pretty much okay with my crazy stuff, but my mom was not really about it in the beginning. She's great now. She's wonderful now, but in the beginning she was not. And I remember one of the family get togethers, my grandmother would always make, do they make in Australia or South Africa refrigerator cake or icebox cake? I'm trying, I feel like we might, we might call it something different, but I feel like we do. Do you make cakes where it's like where you put the cookies and the whipped cream and you put it, you don't actually bake it. You put it in the refrigerator and it turns it into cake. I make that. It's like a banoffee pie sort of thing. Oh, wait, what was that word? Banoffee. So B-A-N-O-F-E-E. It's sort of like you set it in the, in the fridge, right? You don't bake it. It's, it's actually really good, Melanie. I'm really good at making it. Made from bananas. Oh, is it normally made from bananas? Oh, you sort of like slice bananas on top of it, but it's not made with that. It's like condensed milk, crushed, like biscuit cookie base sort of thing for like the crust. And then you pour the condensed milk in and da, 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 and it sits in the fridge and it's, it's delicious. Yeah. Same, same. It's a classic English dessert so that it is. Okay. So similar. Yeah. We, we have refrigerator cake, ice box pie, 
which is, yeah, a similar concept. And I remember my, my mom was like, she like took me aside. She was like, Melanie, are you going to eat the refrigerator cake at the, you know, like at Thanksgiving? And I was like, no. And she, <laughs> she was like, but your grandmother works so hard to make this, you know, cake and it'll mean a lot to her if you eat it. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to eat it. And so this, the story has a good ending. So I went to the Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever it was, and I didn't eat it. My grandmother asked me why. And I told her that I was, this was when I was doing paleo. I think, oh, that's what it was. Yeah. This is when I first started doing paleo. And so I told her that I was doing the paleo diet and, you know, I was eating like certain things like whole foods. And, and my grandmother said, she got so excited. She was like, she was like, that's the way we used to eat. That's the way it should be. Like she was all about it. And I was like, see, like, this is such a good example of there's so many narratives and so many things going in different people's heads. Like you got, you got to just do you, just do you. I think that's an awesome story. That's so good. A little tip. So I read this and I think from one of the guests that I interviewed, they said that the issue with not accepting food like, like in that situation where it's like a, at a, from a family or a friend and they, they made something, it's an offer of love oftentimes to you. So the key is to decline politely and, you know, maybe say why, and then give them an opportunity to show love some other way in that moment to you. So you can say, I'm so sorry. I'm following this diet. I can't eat that right now, but I would love if you would like make me some tea or I would love if you, and you give them an opportunity for them to show love some other way. And then that can like smooth things over a little bit. That's pretty evolved of you to have that perspective. A lot of people wouldn't maybe have the confidence to say that in the moment, you know? Yeah. Let it marinate for people. And maybe next time it comes up, they can work on it. And I will say the more you do it, the, the easier it gets. Another question, speaking of eating all the things. So here's two questions and they, they sort of go together because I'm curious, actually, no, before I ask this, when you started intermittent fasting, did you see a big change in your body composition or what happened with that? Okay. This is a big thing for me because I'm not going to talk about age or anything like that, but what I'm going to say is like back in the day, I'll say like in my early twenties, like... I feel like I look better now than before. And that's not like a flex. It just is what it is. Like my face looks different. My body looks different. It's so strange. And it, I ate, I feel like I eat more now. If I had to spread it out in the day, I eat so much more food, so much more variety of food. And my body looks just different. It's like a b different body type. Like I'm not as bloated looking. Like I'll have to send you a photo as well, but it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see pictures. Yeah, it's really. I don't understand how that works, but it's it's pretty magical what fasting can do with the body recomposition. So it definitely did change. And people are like, how are you looking younger now? Like last night, I went to an event, and someone was like, "You look younger." Like I get that so much, and that sounds really, you know, up myself to say, but that's one of the most one of the most common things people say. I'll say it. You look younger. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's, I don't, what about you? Like, do you get the same thing? I, I do. Yeah, I do. I get that a lot. I get that I look younger than before even. It's like something clicks when you find 
And I think different diets work for different people. So when you find the food choices that really work for you, and especially when you find the fasting pattern that works for you, that together I think can just be magic because then your your body is given the fuel it needs to do what it needs to do. It's given the the fasting, it's giving the time it needs to detox and repair and recover. And I, I think it's like it's like anti-aging in a dietary protocol. <laughs> your skin as well, your skin changes like for real. Oh yes. That's in, yeah, so you notice that? I, I notice that big time. My skin and even like nails, like even just like they grow really quickly. Like I'm like, man, slow down. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that too. Yeah, I used to have, I'm getting flashbacks now. I used to have like such brittle nails. What, they'd break like a lot? Yeah, like, and what's interesting is I was probably eating like way more calorie wise back then. But I think there's such a difference when you're eating, like when you give your body the, the food that's actually nutritious and you're supporting its ability to utilize that food. I think it manifests in your body. So the question from Jill, she said, can you optimize? <laughs> Hi, Jill. She wanted to know, can you optimize for fat loss and muscle building at the same time while doing IF? So did you find that you were able to do both of those at the same time or do you have to do one or the other? I don't do the whole like gym bro dirty bulking, you know, then I cut, like, I don't do that. I feel like I just, my gym protocol is very simple. I work out for like 25 minutes, which sounds like a lie, but I do. I just get in there real intense, lift with like dumbbells, push-ups, and then the rest is just really all food and fasting. I do think that you can lose fat and gain muscle at the same time because fasting promotes human growth hormone. And it doesn't, for contrary to what people think, fasting is not going to eat away at your muscle because it's protective. And your body's smarter than that. It's not going to kill your muscle off first if you haven't eaten in 20 hours. Like it's not, it doesn't work that way. Whereas in the gym culture, guys are like, oh, no, you got you to gotta have your protein shake like straight after your, your session, bro. I'm like, mm, do you? Fact check that. <laughs> yeah. So to answer the question, Jill, you can do this, do both at the same time, I believe, when you're in the fat burning state and you're fat adapted and your body's using, preferentially using fat for fuel, you absolutely can do that. I agree. And I've experienced that as well. Definitely. So, and then Deanne wanted to know muscle building and needing to eat more protein. She says, how do I eat more protein while fasting? She said she's been doing one meal a day for two years and it's so hard to eat more often. Do I really need to? How do you get, well, we talked about this earlier, but how do you get all of the protein in your, your one meal a day eating pattern? I eat a lot of protein. I'm just going to say, like, for example, I might have like 500 grams of like, this is like just a simple meal, but like 500 grams of like ground beef, with like sometimes like six eggs thrown into that and then like just like a lot of protein and I can eat like volumes of food. So that's not, I don't struggle to get protein in, but I feel satiated so much more when I do high protein. Like my body just recognizes that. Whereas if I eat more carbs, I can tend to maybe overeat more than what I need to. What about you? It's funny because I get this question so much. I empathize and I want to find solutions. It's just not my experience. Like I just love eating the pounds of protein. Like I just love it personally. <laughs> so it's like what I crave. I'm prepping right now to interview Dr. Joel Kahn. I don't know if you are familiar with him. 
he's really big in the vegan sphere. I'm just so hungry reading his book. Like it's all talking, (laughs) it's like all talking about like, and more power to people who can do veganism and it supports their body. I would just be so hungry on that. I just feel so good and satiated and, and full, but I also can eat a lot of it in one sitting. So like for Deanne's question, how to eat more protein. I don't even know what to say because I, for me, I just crave it so much. Like it's what I want to eat. I would say maybe what you're eating, it can go both ways. Cause you just mentioned right now how adding carbs can actually make you hungrier, make you want to eat more. At the same time, I think if you're focusing on protein, for some people it might have maybe more like adding fats, they might get too satiated. So I think a potential solution here would be to focus on protein as like the opener and the foundation so that you don't fill up on, you know, other things beforehand. Or especially if you're doing like a, because a lot of people in the low carb world would do like really high fat. So maybe going lower fat so that you can have more of the protein. What I also did, like I didn't forget to add is like, I'd start with like 200 grams because I love salmon, like smoked salmon. So I'll have like 200 grams of that with like some limp, freshly squeezed lemon juice over the top of that snack on that while I cook my chicken or beef, like lots of it. And then I'll add, I'll always add eggs to that. Sometimes I'll have like a dozen eggs a day. Like I don't know if that's right, but it works for me. And I just can't get enough of protein. And that really works for my body. It really does. That's good. I like the egg thing, sneaking in the eggs. For me, I would take it one step further. I would like start with the salmon, have the meat and then have more salmon as dessert. That's so wild. Like you have, like I've heard Melody say this to all the listeners out there. She's like, I I have like salmon for like my dessert. I'm like, what? But you have to let the kitchen know. (laughs) You have to let the kitchen know in advance. People need to know that. I got to spread that awareness. I'm going to start like a trend of savory desserts, but let the kitchen know in advance. Oh, which that's something I learned from your banter with BC that you got fired from your, what job was it in the restaurant? I was like, I don't know if they call it that in America, kitchen hand, which is like, you're just in the kitchen, like maybe food prepping or like just whatever they need, like, you know, washing dishes, slicing up squid, whatever it is, just kitchen hand, got fired. What did you do? I just, I was going to auditions too much and it would just keep clashing. So it wasn't something wrong I did, but they were like, Barry, you just, you just never hear. This is not working out. You're fired. Wow. Hi, friends. I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about some brand new, exciting news. I am about to release the second generation of the Tone device. If you are someone who does intermittent fasting on a regular basis or even prolonged or extended fasting, and you like biofeedback and data, the Tone device is an incredible tool for gauging your rate of fat burning. Now, when our bodies go into a state of ketosis, we generate ketones in the liver, and part of those ketones are diffused through our airways in a form called acetone. Now, ketones themselves, the ones that our liver produces from our fat, they are actually a form of fuel, and acetone is a byproduct of that fuel production and utilization. So it actually gives you a proxy for your fat burning and lets you know how deeply your body is in a state of fat burning based on the ketones being diffused. So 15 to 20% of those blood ketones are diffused in the form of acetone. And so we can measure and quantify 
our rate of fat burning. I absolutely love using the tone device and so many tone device users do as well. It's non-invasive. It's one investment and you don't have to buy these expensive wasteful test strips all the time. You can use it in unlimited amount of times. I have been working for the past couple of years on developing this brand new second generation of the tone device and I am so incredibly excited about it. I am going to be offering a very special launch discount on the second generation of the tone device. You can sign up to receive that discount by going to tonedevice.com and signing up with your name and email address and you will be added to the list to exclusively receive this launch discount on the brand new second generation of the tone. So again, head over to tonedevice.com to sign up for the list and you will receive that launch discount, which I have especially created for listeners of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. All right, friends, now back to our show. I also learned you used to be a chain smoker. How did you quit that? You're just calling me out this whole episode, aren't you? I think it can be very inspiring for people because I can't even imagine. I mean, that must be really hard to stop. I would literally light another cigarette while I was still smoking one. Like that sounds hard to believe if people know me. So like literally the definition of, of wow. Yeah. When you started, did it immediately become an addiction once you started? Yeah, I feel like, and I don't want to label myself, but I feel like I go all in with whatever I do. So I really, it did become addictive. It started more socially, like to be cool, whatever, but then I really enjoyed it. And it was just like, it took me three times to quit, actually. It took you, wait, three times to quit? Yeah, I tried three times, I should say. Oh, you tried, okay. Yeah. How did you... Finally, like, I'm just curious if it, was, if it was like a physical thing. Like, did you use nicotine patches or was it like a mental paradigm shift? Like, how did you, was it an environmental change? Definitely didn't use patches. I just more got, it was a wake up call because someone said to me, bro, like your voice, don't you care about that? And that was like, okay, you know what? I do value what I have and that doesn't align with that. So that's not going to be helpful. And also my mom's side of the family smoke a lot, no judgment at all, like you to you, but it's just like, I didn't want to, yeah, it's just not worth it. And I don't, and now I can't stand it really. Like, especially like kissing a smoker, it's not ideal, right? Being around them, like the breath, the house, everything. How long did it take for that? Like the smell, like in your clothes and your environment, did, did it go away pretty quickly? Or did it like linger? It made me kind of go as well, like, wow, like, do I smell like that? Like, you know, so I didn't like it. Once I quit, it was like, it's not for me. But in saying that, it doesn't mean that I haven't had like an occasional here or there, like a whatever cigarette, but it's not, I'm not a smoker anymore, you know? I think that's so empowering what you said though. And it's, I think it's a really nice approach people can take to anything they're struggling with. It sounds like instead of, like it took a like a value focus and like you were running towards something like rather than being like I can't do this thing and that being the end goal it's like I'm running towards what I do value I think that's really inspiring I think that's with with every decision I have I kind of go now more so now it does this line up with what I actually say that I want or what I be, I say that I believe that I want and if it doesn't then 
You just have to eliminate it for yourself. For my peace of mind, it's about exactly what you said, run towards your values and, and whatever is around that sort of needs to support that, you know? Yeah. So much easier to do that than to try not to do something. What about you? Do you smoke or have you smoked? I think I've smoked a cigarette like three times in my life, maybe. And each time, it's so interesting, and this could be a whole tangent. I, I'm really fascinated by how with different you know, compounds, so drugs, smoking, alcohol, whatever it may be, how certain things really really vibe with certain people and others don't, you know, like people struggle with different things and not others. So like for me with smoking, it never like, I mean, it was interesting experience, but it wasn't anything profound. And then the next day I just, I was like coughing and my throat felt scratchy. I was like, Oh, this is, this is not my cup of tea. So I do wear nicotine patches. Why? <laughs> it's funny. I am. Um, <laughs> It's random. <laughs> you say that's so random. People don't usually see them because I wear them on my ab, but every now and then when I'm doing cryotherapy, if it's like a new person, they'll see it. And I've had comments like, oh, like, you know, congratulations or like, good job. And I'm like, no, 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 I, I don't smoke. Like, <laughs> this is not. <laughs> Nicotine actually has a lot of health benefits. And so it's preventative of Parkinson's. My friend James Clement, who wrote a book called The Switch, which is all about the AMPK pathway activated by things like calorie restriction and fasting and dieting and longevity, not activated by longevity. The book is about longevity. And he talks about this really long-lived population that actually smokes and not that smoking is good. Like I'm not advocating for smoking, but he thinks that possibly the nicotine has something to do with that. It makes me feel like good. And what I like about it is I don't have that addictive issue with it. So I could just like not wear the patch and be fine. Like I'm not worried about it, but yeah, in the biohacking sphere, there's like a whole nicotine thing. Interesting. It was just right. It was just more the timing of what you said. You were just talking. You're like, I wear nicotine patches. It's just like, it's just like, I just wasn't expecting that. I do. Although I will say, and friends can look this up. They can like fact check this about nicotine and it's health benefits. I will say if people want to experiment with it, I feel like we're going to get, we're going to get listener feedback about this. Cause I've talked about this before on the show and got emails. Well, good. Feedback is good. That's good. Feedback is good. So no, please. I do welcome the the feedback. If people want to experiment with it, do not go high dose in the beginning because you will get sick. Just telling you. So start small and stay small. That's a tangent. Some questions to end on because I know that you have another call coming up. That's so annoying. I'm sorry. This has been so amazing. I, I like, I literally can't wait to air this and get people's like thoughts on everything. Okay. There's two questions I want to ask rapid fire. One is you are into like some of the biohacking stuff, like the red light and stuff like that. What's one of your favorite biohacking things that you do? I've got a juve. I've got one of those mini juves. So one, my ritual at night, after I get home and everything's done, my wind down situation is I'll be listening to something whilst doing 10 minutes of holding my juve on my face. That's what I do. On your face. Okay. Have you only done your face? Have you done, do you use it anywhere else? I've done it on, I've used it on muscles as well. Like if I've had aches and pains and it seems to work. So I'm hoping that it, that works because it, 
I think it does. Awesome. Well, we are all about the red light therapy. You've got to meet Vanessa because you know, she has her her Tone Lux devices. She's like hardcore about the the red light. Oh, and I, I think she just had an update where she's like shipping to Australia. So let me see what I can do there. If you would like a larger device, I hope Vanessa might be down with this. And then something else. I thought in honor of your banter with BC, the way that you started off, oftentimes not every episode, you, you left out one episode. Yeah, good, good pick. I know. I watched all of your episodes. That's because it got lo- it got lost. Oh, it did. I was wondering. I was like, did he forget? <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, I have a question. Are those extras in the background? They're actually not, but that's a good question. The a couple of episodes when there's people there, that's a double day, a double show day. So the restaurant kindly opens early for us before it actually opens. Like they do the kitchen and everything, but then sometimes when they do open, people come in. And they're just sitting in the background staring and trying to get a look. But they're not extras. I was dying to know. I was like, did he hire extras? Are those real people? I need to know. I know you have to go. Do you want to play really quickly? Maybe I should. Go? No, hire um, extras. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And mic drop. Okay, bye. It's been real. Oh, man. I do know you have to go in five minutes. <laughs> do you want to do uh, two truths and a lie? I don't know if we can do that in five minutes, though. Okay, you go. You hit me with yours first. Go ahead. Okay, I have mine because I planned this. Okay, ready? Number one, I was accepted into the USC School of Theater without submitting an application. Two, when I was three, I informed my mother that Santa Claus did not exist because, quote, there was no way a man could fly around the world with reindeer and bring presents to people. Three, when I was on Millionaire Matchmaker, the millionaire did not pick me. But then afterwards, he, like, sought me out and DM'd me and said that he wanted to pick me. But the producers would not let him. And would I like to go on a date with him? To which I declined. I feel like the first and the third statements are the truths. Am I right? Nice. I actually informed my mother that the Easter bunny did not exist because there was no way a rabbit could go around giving candy to people. Yes, I got it right. I'm so excited. And she was like, just don't tell your friends. How about you? I know you got it. I'm impressed. Good job. You win. It's just the vibe. Uh, I'm dyslexic. I don't have any tattoos. And my very first acting experience performance was a school production of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, man. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Lion, the uh, Lion. I'm going to go with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And what's the other truth? Oh, as the lie. Oh, but now I, but now I feel like it's the truth. Oh! Ah! What? I don't know. I just was cramping up, so I just had to stretch. Wait, I'm so upset. Okay, wait. So, wait, wait. Was I right? Wait. So, the, you saying that's the lie? Uh, it's like millionaire matchmaker final answer. I don't know. Yes. You are incorrect. Oh, man. The lie is I am not dyslexic. That was, you just came up with that so quickly. I should have thought about that more. Who did you play? Were you Aslan? I played Edward. Edward? Yeah. Wow. With the, what is it? Turkish delight? Yeah. You ate that Turkish delight? <laughs> And I actually developed a, like an obsession with Turkish delight after that role. Really? See, bringing it all full, full circle. Acting. Full circle. Method acting. 
Wow. Okay. Well, I know you have to go. This has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I just think it's so cool what you're doing. And oh, if listeners are curious, so you are an ambassador for a suicide prevention charity called Are You Okay? You're involved with We Are Lonely, a six-part reality podcast series, which is super cool. Your upcoming TV series, okay, is it actually called Erotic Series or is that like the working title? Erotic Stories, yeah. Oh, oh, your thing says Erotic Series. Okay, so Erotic Stories. Erotic Stories. So look for Barry there. Thank you so much for being here. This was amazing. Hopefully we can talk again in the future. I'd love that. Thank you so much, Melanie. Thanks, Barry. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice, and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.